I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Warning, you're about to enter the arena and join the battle to save America with your host, Sean Parnell. Hey, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome to Battleground Live. It's great to have you here in the trenches with us today. Folks, there's so much that happened over the weekend, whether it was the IRS or Hunter Biden is suing the IRS now. As of today, the Department of Justice arrested two 70-year-old women, pro-life uh, women who are protesting out of a, a pro-choice, out of an abortion clinic. They arrested them. They could do probably 10, 11 years in jail and they're 70 years old. Uh, a documentary journalist uh, who just simply filmed January 6th, never once entered the, the Capitol. He was convicted today. He's awaiting sentences. Uh, Donald Trump did this, you know, main, his first really long format, sit down mainstream media interview. And it was so, so, so disingenuous that it will blow your mind. It was so crazy. Uh, I mean, just I, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, before we get to that, if you're watching this show and you're new to uh, the platoon, make sure you like or rumble that little green thumb at the bottom of the screen. Make sure that you dedicate some time to just smashing that like button because rumble notices that stuff. The more we're noticed, the more advertisers we get, the more advertisers we get. I can take my studio and take it away from my cat's litter box and all the chaos that surrounds me here with a family of seven and five crazy children. So Smash that like button and obviously subscribe to the channel. This show is live every single night, Monday through Friday at five o'clock. It runs about an hour. Um, it, it is and will always be free, but this is your show. And the mission of this show is to defend this great country. And frankly, so much of our time is just disentangling all this BS, all the BS lies that we see on TV every day and the narrative that's just pushed on you. You know, the media in today's day and age, it, it's not about, you know, giving you the truth. You know, back in the days of, of Walter Cronkite, was the media liberal? Was there a left wing bias? Yeah, maybe a little bit. But by and large, I'd like to think that they at least did everything that they could to just report the facts and let the people decide what, what they believed or not. Um, but the media today, they don't give a damn about facts. They don't give a damn about truth. The only thing that matters to them is the narrative. And I got to tell you, folks, it is getting brazen. Their lies. I, I, I can't believe how often they lie about things that are just blatantly obvious. And so we're going to talk about all that. I decided to, to devote this episode to that, that interview with Donald Trump because with Kristen Welker's interview with Donald Trump, because a couple things on that, it is such a perfect microcosm for everything that is wrong with the media today. 
And, and like I said, we'll get into all that before we do. Uh, DeepwellServices.com. Deepwell is, a, is the primary sponsor of this program. They're a founding sponsor. They believed in Battleground before nobody else did. But it, it was just a concept. We haven't even done an episode. And they in, invested in this show. And frankly, it's possible because of them. They're an awesome company. Uh, we always like to give them a shout out right here at the top of the hour. And they're they're hiring. They're all over the country. They're hiring. Go to their website again, deepwellservices.com. They're hiring not just for drillers, but but for people in their offices, social media, marketing, whatever. If you've got experience and you feel like you do a damn good job and you're willing to work, like just apply. They pay really well. So deepwellservices.com. But thank you to Deepwell. Um, before we get into this fake news interview, God, it was fascinating for so many reasons. But the U.S. Marine Corps lost an F-35 advanced fighter plane. It went missing yesterday. Look, folks, this is a this is something that worries me because this this fighter plane is largely uh, was was developed and researched and developed by a company called Lockheed Martin. Took five years in production. I mean, there were, it was. This is a project that was plagued with cost overruns. I mean, by the time it was it was all said and done, I mean, we're talking a trillion plus dollars of investment into this super super advanced and super top secret aircraft. The the whole point of this aircraft is it was supposed to replace you know dogfighter, you know the F fifteen fighting eagle or what. You know, I'm not look. I'm not a navy guy. I'm not a fixed wing pilot. But it's supposed to. It's it's supposed to be. You know, air targets, ground targets are supposed to do both. Now, I've got personal experience with the A-10 Warthog. It's a, a combat air support platform. It's I think it's just it's just the best damn airplane in the business. I've called in many, many, many airstrikes with the A-10 on the battlefield, close air support for troops um, on the ground. They've saved me multiple, multiple times. Uh, this plane was supposed to replace that plane, which, you know, I'm not a fan of that idea because I think the A-10 is just damn good at what it, at what it does. It's really cheap to maintain. Um, and it's just, it's just all around reliable. It's always there when you need it. But the F-35 was just plagued with cost overruns, trillion plus dollars. Well, it mysteriously disappeared. And, you know, not a whole lot of people are, I mean, people are talking about it, but I'm not sure that people are asking the right questions because this fighter is so advanced, it was developed with a safety mechanism that if, if a pilot was in distress or affected by G force, uh, cause this plane breaks the sound barrier fairly easily. Um, and a pilot passes out or loses consciousness, it has a safety feature that will auto eject. And so I haven't seen the question asked and I've looked online today. I haven't seen the question asked and the U S Marine Corps did a press conference with, with, uh, a congressional committee today that really wasn't given any answers, but I haven't seen the question asked, was this an, a, a manual eject? Did the pilot choose to eject this aircraft because of some sort of malfunction and it was going down and he needed to eject in the middle of a crisis? Or was he auto-ejected? The fact that our military can't find this stealth fighter plane, which is obviously equipped with all sorts of GPS components to make sure that you can find it should a pilot go down or a plane go down and then throw an incendiary grenade in there if you can't recover the aircraft to make sure that the enemy doesn't get whatever the component parts are to that aircraft because it's so super top secret and costs well over a trillion dollars. But right now, the U.S. military can't find it. It's completely MIA. And I think a really important question. Hey, did was this? Did you auto eject? Were you did? Did the plane just eject you? 
against your will? Or did you do it on your own? And why? What happened? Why can't we find it? And now the U.S. military is enlisting the help of American citizens to help find this plane. Folks, this is this is bad. This is bad because it's indicative of a much larger problem in the United States military that we have right now. We've got we've got Navy ships crashing into each other in the Pacific. The Pacific Ocean is the largest ocean in the world. It's the, the fact that we have ships crashing into each other is a major, major concern. We see training accidents happening all the time. It's, there's not a day that goes by where I don't have somebody that's contacting me that's active duty now who I served with, right? Had I stayed in the military, I would probably be, you know, a, an like a colonel on my way to, to general or maybe like a young full colonel, for full bird colonel. But there's not a day that goes by that I don't have somebody reach out to me and say, sir, oh, man, I, I, I'm. I'm like 18 years. The only reason I'm staying in is to maybe hit my retirement. But this is a military that has changed. It lacks focus. In fact, we're focused on all the wrong stuff, all this diversity, equity, inclusion. Like I told you on Friday's show, you're not allowed to say terrorist. You're not allowed to say man. You're not allowed to say woman. You're not allowed to say mom. You're not allowed to say dad. And what's happening is, is the chain of command is forcing these requirements on warfighters. And so in, instead of taking you know the finite amount of time that you have during the day to train whether it's assemble and disassemble your weapon systems or learning to shoot move and communicate together as a team doing team building exercise in in the conference room or actually going out to the range and putting rounds down range instead of doing all of that our warfighters are sitting in conference rooms doing check the block training on diversity equity and inclusion and learning about pronouns and all that crap and then we see something like this happen or ships crash into each other in the Pacific or we see an F-35, the most advanced fighter pilot, stealth fighter pilot on the face of the planet that the taxpayer invested a trillion plus dollars in completely disappear and our military can't find it. Now, isn't it interesting that that while they're focused on all this BS, this woke BS that the military also is having all of these accidents and mishaps. Never mind the fact of the surrender in Afghanistan, which I talk about on this program often. Well, General Milley, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Milley just did an interview on CNN. And did he address this aircraft? Did he address really any of the things that I just talked to you about? The 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 fact that the military is clearly too woke, focused on all the wrong things. He addressed it, but not in the way that you would think. Let's go ahead and roll this tape. Uh, in the broader sense, the, the war was lost. We, we were fighting the Taliban uh, and their allies, uh, you know, for 20 plus years. Uh, and uh, and they prevailed in that capital for a lot of reasons that we don't have time to go over today. But uh, sure, lots of regrets for, by a lot of us from uh, from 911 on. You know, wars aren't lost uh, in the last 10 days or, or 10 months. It, it, typically, they're the cumulative effect of lots of uh, turns and twists uh, over many, many years. And this war, when the final history is written, will prove uh, to be the same. So that was the clip that we ran you on Friday and sending you a quick reminder of this is General Milley in an interview saying that he lost, that we lost in Afghanistan. Now, this comes on the heels of the, the Biden administration. Every time he's asked about the surrender in Afghanistan, they tell you that it was around a resounding success, that they evac lots of people. And because they evac lots of people, oh, never mind the fact that 13 Americans were killed, thousands of our allies were left behind, tens of thousands of Afghans were murdered in the wake of our surrender over there. We droned and killed 
killed an Afghan family that was small children, left billions of dollars of American equipment behind. We're talking, you know, weapons. We're talking armored vehicles. We're talking helicopters back to the Taliban. So by and large, Afghanistan is now a more dangerous place than it was prior to 9-11. Um, it's, it's just an unbelievable lack of focus in the military a focus on this this woke nonsense that is leading to all of these mishaps that we're experiencing today and unfortunately unfortunately what we're witnessing right now is something that puts all Americans at risk and now watch general milley general milley went on to talk about the state of the military check this out okay, is, is the US military too woke no not at all um so um, you know, I'm not even sure what that word truly means, but um, I, I would tell you that the military I see uh, is a military that's exceptionally strong. It's powerful. It's ready. In fact, our readiness rates, the way we measure readiness is better now. Are, are you ready to find this F-35 that just mysteriously flew away? The most advanced fighter pilot on the face of the planet? Because I seem to remember, you know, the surrender of Afghanistan, F-35 going missing, service members in uniform dancing around like drag queens. Because it just all seems like things are falling apart at the seams. And the reason why this is important, and then I promise you I'll move on to, to this Trump-Welker interview. And this is something that nobody's talking about, including our military leaders. It, our military was designed in the wake of 9-11 and evolved rapidly to fight counterinsurgency, to fight asymmetric threats like Islamic extremism uh, and things of that nature. Brigade combat teams were formed specifically to combat that threat, which means that we moved away from fighting you know, a conventional Soviet-era Cold War Russian horde type of threat and into fighting asymmetric terror in places like Afghanistan and Iraq. Well, the fact of the matter is this. We face, I mean, look at what's happening in Ukraine. That is largely a conventional fight. What I mean by that is conventional military with trucks, tanks, air power, air defense artillery, and everything else meeting on the battlefield and killing each other in large numbers. Our military is not equipped to fight that threat right now that we just haven't sufficiently evolved our force away from brigade combat teams intent to focus on places like Russia, maybe Ukraine, and obviously the communist Chinese, which are which are traditional conventional threats. We haven't done that at all. That's going to take a hell of a lot of time. But instead of doing that, we're focused on woke bullshit. I'm sorry. Sorry for the language, especially if you've got children watching. I should have said earmuffs, but it just makes me so mad because ultimately this is going to cost American lives on the battlefield at some point. It already cost American lives in Afghanistan. But if we end up getting dragged into an escalatory war in Ukraine, which I'm telling you, you've heard me say it before, and I'll say it again in a year, who the hell knows what's going to happen with this election cycle? I mean, seriously, any number of things could happen to throw the throw caution to the wind here. But if by I could I could foresee Biden sending military advisors to Ukraine, U.S. troops to Ukraine to bolster his election chances. I, I mean, I, I I don't know. We'll see. But if that happens. This lack of focus on actual training in the mission in the military is going to cost American lives in the battlefield. Bookmark this episode, and I hope it doesn't happen. I hope that I'm wrong, but I think I don't think that I am. Okay, so let's get into this Trump Welker interview first. I want to set up this. This interview is like, I mean, it was it was well over an hour long. They edited it down so that it could be consumed on social media and be run on TV. But they edited out so many things that it's it's difficult to it's difficult to tell if you're getting the actual full story. Well, actually, 
It's not difficult to tell. You know they're feeding you nonsense on this stuff. Um, but I want I want you to see how this interview was set up for mainstream consumption prior to actually getting into the interview itself. This guy named Peter Baker, um, he had lots to say about this interview prior to it to it airing. Uh, but let's go ahead and roll the tape and we'll discuss. We have gotten criticism for just sitting down with former President Trump. He is the former president. He's facing four indictments as journalists. Just Mm -hmm. set the scene, the backdrop, why there is still news value, value for the public to hear from him. Well, this is a huge challenge for American journalism, Mm -hmm. of course, right? Mm -hmm. It cannot be that a person can run for president of the United States, be a front runner in his party and possibly win without ever being challenged by a tough independent interviewer. And that's, I think, an important part of our system. Now, it obviously is a challenge for us because he is just going to spout out one thing after another. And fact-checking in real time is a real hard thing. But what you've done here is edit it and make sure people understand what's real and what's not. He's going to spout out one fake thing, one false thing after the next, and fact-checking him in real time. And, oh, it's going to be so, so important to to just just you know, fact check him in real time and have a real independent voice, you know, doing the, these interviews. First of all, Kristen Welker, independent voice. Hold on to that. She's not an independent voice. And I'll tell you why in a second. But the idea that this that that somehow Trump is spewing falsehoods and that they have to have real time fact checkers in order to smack down Trump's ridiculous lies. That's how they're setting up this interview. That's how that's how they're setting it up to their viewers. It's it's truthfully after what we witnessed during 2016 and all the hoaxes that were trotted out and foisted on the American people. You know, you thought that the media would pay a price. You thought that maybe they would get better. But clearly they haven't. They're just as bad as they always were. And in fact, I think going into the 2024 election, I think things are going to get a hell of a lot worse. And I literally just did an episode with the question of where have all the fact checkers gone? Because Joe Biden can trot around to Maui and talk about, you know, his house getting hit by lightning and having a house fire and maybe losing his cat and his 67 Corvette, even though that wasn't a house fire. It was it was really just a fire in the kitchen, which they controlled in a couple seconds. Or how about him being a valedictorian and having 10 different degrees or or how about Joe Biden? Um, I mean, God, the million, million lies that he told about hanging out with Corn Pop or lecturing at the University of Pennsylvania, even though he never lectured at University of Pennsylvania. They paid him a million dollars. The guy just or son dying in Iraq. The guy just makes up stories over and over and over again. And fact checkers have just totally disappeared. Like they've just totally disappeared and they've been MIA completely while Biden has been in office. And the moment that Trump does a single interview, he does a single good interview with Kristen Welker in good faith. Oh, they've got to all of a sudden fact check him in real time. And you know who's doing the fact checking? Valerie Jarrett's daughter. So a top Obama advisor, her daughter is doing all the fact checking. If you don't believe me, check this out. Roll the tape. I want to start off just by getting your takeaways of what we just witnessed. And Peter, I want to start with you. What's your big takeaway? Yeah, I was struck by how defiant he is. Defiant of you, defiant of the system, defiant of facts, right? He's just a bulldozer shoveling falsehoods and lies throughout your interview. And you're, <laughs> you're fact-checking him all along the way. But he is creating a different reality that has been uh, successful for him so far in in in, in 
leading the Republican nomination fight. Yeah, and energizing his supporters, that's for sure. Carol, what was your big takeaway? Well, on the legal stuff, it, the takeaway is, you know, you can see why pres- former President Trump has gone through a number of lawyers in, mm-hmm. as he's seen these, these indictments and been investigated. And just politically speaking, big picture, he's very clearly running in a general election, mm-hmm. barely mentions his GOP rivals, and he focuses almost entirely on President Biden. Yeah, it's a really great point. Laura, what was your takeaway? And we have a lot of legal yes. stuff to pick there were, through. There but. were a lot of legal <laughs> Easter eggs in there for us to chew on. But I have to say, I thought one of the more fascinating parts of that entire extended interview was what he refused to answer to you. And what he mm. refused to answer is what exactly were you doing in the dining room on January 6th? Why do you think that is so significant, Laura? Let's start there before we delve into some of the other Easter eggs. Well, I think for his lawyers, they would probably prefer that he didn't answer that. But there was so much that he was willing to go into, which is for a criminal defense attorney, sort of the nightmare scenario. When you have these four criminal trials, which are a long ways off, there's plenty of time for him to talk and do sit-down interviews like this. And he's essentially boxing himself into positions positions that he doesn't need to without really knowing where these cases are going. And so when he tells you, you know who I listen to myself, that's coming when his attorneys are saying, at least previewing lines of defense, that he wants to be able to rely on his lawyers, no matter how misguided their advice was about trying to steal the election. When you say I relied on myself, that is fodder for cross-examination. Yeah. And let's just delve into that a little bit more deeply because there was some wiggle room around the edges. But how significant was that moment? I I think that's a a huge moment. And of course, he's saying now in a sit down interview months away from any of these trials, he's going to testify. I would be shocked (laughs) if any attorney was going to endorse that view. But to say uh, to say so definitively, um, I relied on my own instincts. That video is going to be replayed Mm. for a jury some way, somehow. Mm. Oh, Trump is just so defiant. He's defiant of truth. He's defiant of facts. And you hear all the panel waves. He says that. Oh, yes. Defiant of facts. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Are you kidding me? This is a man that has endured one hoax from you disgusting media fanatics after the next. You've done nothing but lie to the American people for as long as I can remember. It's never been as bad as it's been (laughs) under Donald Trump the moment he came down that escalator. So it's interesting that Donald Trump brings out the worst in, in these media types. And I'm telling you, if there's a silver lining in in these attacks at all, it's that, that these these media types who try to pretend to be, you know, even keeled, fair minded journalists just reporting the facts. No way. He has exposed them all in a way that I, I just think there's no going back for these people. These people are all disgusting hacks and Trump has exposed them. And now, speaking of disgusting hacks, Kristen Welker. Okay, there's a New York Post article that that we dug up from back in October of 2020 when she was selected to moderate the debate between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And of course, she was terrible back then as well. I mean, clearly on the side of defending Biden left and right from one Trump attack after the next and really did the best that she could to insulate Biden from those attacks. Um, But here's I'm just going to read you a little bit of the background of this so-called even keeled journalist who is now the host of Meet the Depressed. Oh, I mean, Meet the Press. Um, Welker, this from the New York Post, comes from an established Democratic family who have poured cash into party coffers 
and to Trump opponents for years. Her mother, Julie Welker, a prominent real estate broker in Philadelphia, and her father, Harvey Welker, a consulting engineer, have donated tens of thousands of dollars to Democrat candidates and close to $20,000 to Barack Obama alone. There was also $3,300 for Joe Biden's 2020 campaign and $2,100 for Hillary Clinton's doomed 2016 presidential effort against Trump. Another $7,300 was contributed to the Democrat National Committee between 2004 and 2020. Now get this. In 2012, Welker and her family celebrated Christmas at the White House with the Obamas. Oh, man, she really sounds like a fair journalist, doesn't she? Though Welker's party registration is not listed today, she was registered a Democrat in Washington, D.C. in 2012 and in Rhode Island in 2004. Throughout Welker's tenure as a White House correspondent, she's earned a reputation for a scathing style of questioning. Oh, she's sassy, all right. Mr. President, yes or no? Have you ever worked for Russia? Yes or no, she demanded during a confrontation. To, have you? So she's a Russia collusion hoaxer. And this is the person that's given this fair-minded interview. This is the person that's, that, was, that was moderating debates between Biden and Trump. Uh, and of course, all of this treatment, her treatment of Donald Trump and other Republicans, but especially Trump, comes in stark contrast to her handling of Democrats. And so... In March of 2016, Welker was busted on live television, tipping off Hillary Clinton's communication director, Jennifer Palmari, about at least one question she planned to ask her during a post-debate interview in Michigan. At the time, Clinton was locked in a fierce fight for the Democrat nomination against Senator Bernie Sanders. I'm going to ask you about Flint, Welker said, of the Michigan's infamous water crisis. So, Anybody that has ever dealt with Welker knows that she is a clear-cut Democrat activist. She's not a journalist. She's no different than than Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She's no different than the member of the squad. Yet there she is pretending to be a journalist on national television, just sitting there all prim and proper, acting like she's just a fair judge of the facts. No, she's a Democrat hack. She's no different than Monica Lewinsky's boyfriend, Jake Tapper, or Valerie Jarrett, the very same, Valerie Jarrett's daughter, who is doing the fact check on this interview. I'm telling you, when I said that this stuff was brazen, it just can't get any more in your face. And it's so important that the American people see this stuff, which is why we talk about it on the program every single night. I told you early on in this program that so much of Battleground Live has become about just just debunking these conspiracy theories and lies that the mainstream media and the corporate media push on you day in and day out. Don't believe these people. They're all disgusting hacks who hate America. Um, okay. So we've already established that Kristen Welker is a disgusting Democrat hack who is clearly not a real journalist. Definitely, definitely a mouth breather. So for those of you all paying attention to the mouth breather drinking game, or you're new to the show, there is a drinking game where every time I say the word mouth breather, I think that makes number two. Everybody on the show takes a drink. And by the end of the show, because I get so fired up during the hosting, I say mouth breather quite a bit. That's three. So that's three drinks. If you're playing the game, that's three. And get fired up and say that word quite a lot. So if you're new to the show, join the game. We'd love to have you. This Not only is the show is about, of course, the show is about debunking liberal lies and holding Republicans accountable, making sure that they tell the truth and keep their promises on the campaign trail. But it's also about having fun. So if you're participating in the mouth breather drinking game or you're new to the game, we'd love to have you. Um, okay, back to mouth breathing, Kristen Welker.
Okay. Um, we're going into this interview. Like I told you before, it's a perfect microcosm of what's of everything that's wrong with the press. Never mind the fact that all these people are Democrat hacks, right? You know that now. So take everything that you see with a grain of salt. But you know now the motivation behind all of these questions. So listen very carefully to these questions and President Trump's response. So of course, one of the first things they talked about in this interview, and by the way, everybody's talking about this interview right now. So I just want to do a deep dive with you before anybody else does. Um, they talked about the fact that Donald Trump barely, barely lost in 2020. And that's with all the BS electoral shenanigans that they threw at the wall. And I'm talking what you know, whether it was mail-in ballots, removing signature verification, using COVID to lock people down, or foist, you know, a no-excuse mail-in ballot. Uh, program in critical swing states, water main breaks in Georgia, stopping the vote count on election night in, in all the critical swing states, all mysteriously at the exact same time. Um, all of these anomalies that that happened on election night. Of course, Trump talked about that. And as he always does in Trump fashion, he responded in a very consistent way, as he always has. But go ahead and roll this first exchange. I have a lot of when other- you say you needed one tenth of a point. You one one of a point. Point I needed a very small. I think somebody said twenty-two thousand votes to win. Yeah, if you divide it among the states, it was twenty-two thousand votes, something to, to that effect. Yeah. To win the election. Yeah, if I would have had another twenty-two thousand votes over the whole. But look, they rigged is, the election. If you look at Pennsylvania, but Mr. President, if you you're look saying at all you needed stuff, more votes to win the election. Are you acknowledging me. you if didn't you win? If you look at if you look at all of the statistics, all of the votes, they say. 22,000 votes, over millions and millions of votes, 22,000 votes. So when they do Twitter files or when they have 51 intelligence agents come out and lie that the laptop from hell was Russia disinformation, and now they find out it's not. But they knew that at the time. Uh, They cheated on the election in that way, too. I just want to be clear, though. Are you saying you needed those votes in order to win? Are you acknowledging you didn't win? I'm not, not acknowledging. No, I say I won the election. I, look, I'm telling you, I, Trump is 100% right on this. And and he's right. I mean, he got the number on 22,000 votes. I think the number was closer to 42,000 votes, but it was across three states. And I've told you all the all the BS that they did in Pennsylvania to make sure that they shaved as many votes as they could away from President Trump and into the libertarian candidate. And I've taught you about the Zuckerbucks and the millions upon millions of dollars that the private money from Mark Zuckerberg dumped into swing states so that they could set up a private election operation. And the reason why that's significant is that none of that money and none of those dollars were accountable to the government, the state governments in those respective swing states. None of that money was appropriated properly from appropriations committees in their respective swing states. So how do you track what happens to that money? How do you track where it goes? How do you track the people that are hired? How do you, how do you hold anybody accountable? So when Zuckerberg dumps millions of dollars into heavily Democrat areas and unsupervised drop boxes into heavy Democrat areas, and there's no deadline, for these mail-in ballots to be delivered. There's no signature requirement. There's no postmark requirement. Yeah, so, of course, President Trump is, is, is right to say that the election was rigged. And I said it before, and I'll say it again. The very people who rigged the election, this shadowy cabal of wealthy and powerful labor unions and rich Americans worked behind the scenes to fortify the election against President Trump. That, and you can find that in Time magazine. 
it's I can't quite remember what exactly the article was titled, but it was the shadow campaign to save the 2020 election in Time magazine that came out in February of 2021. So about five months after they stole the election and rigged the election, they couldn't keep quiet about it. They just had to brag about it. And instead of saying it was rigged, they said it was fortified. So, of course, but Kristen Welker, did she acknowledge any of that stuff? Did she acknowledge any of the anomalies, any of the stuff that I just told you? Of course not. And in fact, the tweet says still falsely claims he won 2020. Now he didn't. So he, he he lost the election. Joe Biden's sitting in the White House, but it doesn't actually mean he lost. It doesn't mean that the election wasn't rigged. And to not again, to not acknowledge all of the many problems with 2020 and just to just forget about it completely and act like it was totally fine. Oh, nope. It was the most perfectest, bestest election of all time. Most securest election ever. Like it's completely ridiculous. It's not believable. And and Trump is sticking to his guns on this. And I like that he did because he's just, he's just a hundred percent right. In fact, so get this, there was a time when I was running in 2020 where Allegheny County. Now, Allegheny County is a critical, it's in Western Pennsylvania, um, but it's part, it's it's the most densely populated Republican area in the entire state, the most populous Republican county in the entire state, but it's also a heavily Democrat county. It, it has Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Lots of Democrats live there. Uh, two months before the election day, Allegheny County sent out, and this is not an exaggeration, throw it into whatever search engine you want. You could look it up and see this stuff for yourself, but they sent out 32 plus thousand absentee, no excuse mail-in ballots to the wrong addresses. I had to sue in federal court to stop them from count, to stop Allegheny County from counting those ballots. That is, it's unbelievable to me. The Democrat position, okay, Mark Elias, who is a Democrat super lawyer, who is responsible for the Russia collusion hoax and formulating that plan with Hillary Clinton. I had to go toe to toe with that guy. Their their position, the Democrat was position was simply count every ballot, even if the ballot was not in the same congressional district, count every ballot, even if those illegal ballots would disenfranchise actual voters, legal voters, count every ballot. Now, thankfully, we won. But you know who called attention to that before anybody else? Donald Trump. Look at his Twitter account. Throw in, throw in out, you know, at, you know, Sean Parnell is a great risk in Twitter. He called this out months, like at the exact time that it happened, months before the election day. He knew about it. And in fact, so get this. When I saw Donald Trump at Erie, spent some time with him up there and talk, he said he remembered it. The first thing I talked, the first thing he said to me is that you got cheated out of your election. Remember all those ballots they sent to those wrong people who still had no answers on any. He's exactly right about this stuff. The guy's got a mind like a steel trap. If you compare him to Joe Biden, who basically, I, I don't even know. I'm, I'm pretty sure he pooped his pants around the Pope. I mean, the guys, he does, he's an empty vessel. He's an animated corpse. I mean, the guy, Trump is right and he's sticking to his guns. And I got to tell you, I love to see it. Um, so th- there's another exchange about, um, the indictments and, you know, Kristen Welker, Democrat activist, not journalist. She asked President Trump about uh, the indictments and the potential of facing prison sentences. And I thought this exchange was remarkable for a lot of reasons, but let, let's roll the tape. When you go to bed at night, do you worry about going to jail? No, I don't really. I don't even think about it. I'm Built a little differently, I guess, because I have had people come up to me and say, how do you do it, sir? How do you do it? Uh, I don't even think about it. Uh, these are corrupt people that I'm dealing with. They're destroying our country. 
I don't even think about it. All I think about is making the country great, making America great. Look, these are political, these are banana republic indictments. These are third world indictments. The president of the United States sees how we're doing. We have a movement, the likes of which has never happened in this country before. And you see it with the polls. I mean, I'm up on these people by 60 points and 59 points. I don't mean at, I'm at 59. I'm leading them by 59. You almost say, like, why are they campaigning? Asa Hutchinson, he's at zero. Christie's at two. Other ones are at one. Uh, DeSanctimonious is at nine. I just see a poll coming. I mean, I'm leading him by 60 points. Mr. President. And you say, why are they doing it? But here's what they did. They saw this happening. And he went to the Attorney General of the United States and he told him, indict Trump. There's just no evidence of that, oh, Mr. Why? President. Because you mean he's but let's, let's stay Look on at track. all the lies want, he's Mr. told. Mr. President, I want to talk Kristen, about wait you. a minute. Wait, wait. Could I say one thing? Look at all the lies he's told over the last couple of weeks. He said he was at the World Trade Center and he wasn't. He said he flew airplanes, right? He didn't. He said he drove trucks. And he didn't. Everything he says is like a lie. It's terrible. Mr. President, I'm even gonna, his handicap. He said he's a six. He's not a six. I- <laughs> even his handicap in golf. He says he's a six. He's not a six. But I mean, it, it, she said there was no evidence that the Biden administration was pressuring the Department of Justice and Merrick Garland to indict President Trump. There is a New York Times article that exposes this. There was a New York Times article, the growing is uh, titled, you know, uh, Garland under intense pressure from to and to take action on Trump. I mean, go look it up. I know you don't like reading the New York Times. Yes, your IQ will drop, but it will be worth it to expose this nonsense. She just used the no evidence line. On, oh, there's no evidence that Biden. Of course, Joe Biden's behind it. He's literally said this in public, that they're going to use constitutional mechanisms mechanisms to make pre- make sure that President Trump can't run again. This is the this is the impetus and, and the catalyst for all these 14th Amendment arguments to remove Trump from the ballot. You would think Kristen Welker would be concerned about the precedent that removing the leading presidential candidate, regardless of what party, removing that person from the ballot would have on and the implications on future elections and in this 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 path to authoritarianism that we're on here in America. It's dangerous. You think she'd be talking about all this stuff. And I'll tell you what, I'm not sure if I actually have the video here, but she talks about Kristen Welker talks about. Well, you're facing four indictments and 90 plus counts. And, and President Trump said, no, I'm sorry, I, I got to stop you there. Say it the right way. These are Biden indictments. These are political indictments. And he's 100 percent right. None of these cases hold any water. Everybody knows that they're political BS. And by the way, the re- they, all this stuff is backfiring. The, re- the, the American people see this independents see this, which is why Trump is beating Biden by six. I think a poll last Friday that I showed you just last Friday in in critical swing states like Georgia, Wisconsin, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, on average, beating Biden by six because the American people don't like the BS that the the Biden administration is pulling right now. Indicting your political opponents, trying to throw them in jail. Yeah, people might not like or agree with everything that President Trump says. They might not like his comportment from time to time. I don't particularly mind because I'm not electing the guy, you know, to to play nice and be politically correct. I don't give a damn about that stuff. I want a guy that's going to walk into the room with President Xi of China and kick ass and take names. You know, there's a reason why Russia 
did not invade Ukraine when Trump was president. It's because these dictators all around the world who are bad people were afraid of Donald Trump. They respected the United States of America when he was in office. They feared consequences if should they invade or take action on the global state when Donald Trump was in office. They don't give a damn about Joe Biden. He, they know and they they know he's a completely you know empty vessel that he's a he's an animated corpse of a human being. They laugh at Joe Biden on the world stage. Everybody knows this. Independents see it. And the fact that Kristen Welker didn't bring up any of this stuff or or all of Biden's litany of lies. You'd think that this Baker guy leading into the interview, he's talking about Trump needs to be fact-checked in real time. Have you ever seen any of these mouth-breathing fact-checkers fact-check Joe Biden on some of the most absurd lies that he's told just in the last couple of weeks? Never. Never. I think CNN did one segment on it. One segment. But my God, it's this things are just so brazen and out of hand now. It just makes me so mad. But I, I, I want to say this. President Trump was purpose-built for this moment. He, he just, I've never seen anybody like the guy. And this is, look, I, I totally respect you people that are joining this program, watching this program. You're in the trenches with us. If you don't support President Trump in the primary, you're all entitled to your opinion. I totally respect that. I, I do. Uh, but I'm not going to lie to you. I've been a Trump guy since, you know, I, for as long as I can remember. He supported me, you know, when I needed it most. He supported me when everybody else was running from me, when the left was lying and joining with the Republicans to lie about me, to lie about my background, to lie about what happened, to lie about like everything in my personal life. President Trump stood by me. And that matters. You know, the people in your life, when crisis happens or tragedy happens or, or life throws you a curveball, the people that people who stand by you in those moments are the people that should really matter in your life. And, and President Trump stood by me, never wavered, never blinked. He knew it was political from the moment it happened. He's always encouraged me in, it encouraged me to do what was right for my family, do what was right for the state of Pennsylvania. Always had my back, never wavered. Same with Don Jr., same with Eric, same with that whole family. They're good people. The media, it's a tragedy what the media is doing to this family. You know, it's like you look at Hunter Biden and you compare Hunter Biden to Don Jr. and you're like, I, like it's amazing that Hunter Biden's just oh my god it's so bad like oh Joe Biden just loves Hunter oh my gosh he's just a good father and oh, I can't believe they're attacking Hunter he has a drug problem really the guy wrote off 28 prostitutes in the IRS and thought there wouldn't be consequences the guy was paid $83,000 just laundering money uh, off the laundering money off the Biden name selling influence to countries who hate us you think if Don, Don, if Don Jr. did any of the things that Hunter Biden did, Don Jr. would have been in Gitmo yesterday and been waterboarded for the last week. The, the double standard in this country is just alarming. And I see these interviews, these mainstream media interviews uh, that going after Pre President Trump and taking pot shots at him with no basis. In fact, 100 percent steeped in conspiracy theory. It just pisses me off. And you hear President Trump. You, see, oh, you ever think about going to jail? I mean. I just think that that question, to ask that question and to not recognize, to not recognize the moment that we're in and that, that these indictments by and large are political in some ways and in, in every way, in every way, to ask if he's afraid to go to jail and not ask about the political nature of these indictments is just sickening to me. Because if you think that Trump's family, Melania, 
Baron, his son, his grandchildren aren't worried about this. Of course they are. It's ridiculous what the media is doing to this family. This man just wants to save this country. And he's been laser focused on, on doing that. And here he is talking about, here he is talking about like, no, I don't ever think about going to jail. I only, I only think about trying to save this country. The man doesn't even care about being thrown in prison if it means he has the opportunity to save this country. Folks, if you can't see, if you can't see the goodness in that, he's trying to save this country from the predations of, uh, in the, uh, of, of the communist left, the radical left who's trying to destroy this man's life in four states across this country with fake political indictments. And I got nothing for you. I'll tell you when I met when I saw President Trump, you know, I asked him, I was like, "How you? How are you doing, sir? You know, how are you hanging in there? This is all this is what they're doing to you is bull BS." He goes, he just said to me, "This, Sean, we just have to save this country. What the left is doing to this country is just terrible, and we have to save it." That verbatim is what he told me, and he said it. He was solemn. He was focused. You know. He was upset for what the left is doing to this country, and he should be. What they're doing to America is criminal. America, through the entirety of my life, was the brightest beacon of freedom in the world. And it still is. It can still be saved. But the left would destroy it in a second if they could. And we can't let the left throw President Trump in jail for BS political crap. And the more I watch this interview with Kristen Welker and I was doing research for this episode and I watch these these clips a couple of times, every time I watch it just makes me more angry. But so Kristen Welker asked President Trump to clarify if he was listening to his lawyer's advice in, after the 2020 election or he was just shooting from the hip, going after, you know, shooting from the hip, basing all of his opinions on his own instinct. Um, watch this clip. The most senior lawyers in your own administration and on your campaign told you that after you'd lost more than 60 legal challenges, that it was over. Why did you ignore them and decide to listen to a new outside group? Because I didn't respect them. Uh, you'd hire lawyers. Them. Sure. But that doesn't mean, you know, you hire them. You never met these people. You get a recommendation. They turn out to be rhinos or they turn out to be not so good. In many cases, I didn't respect them. But I did respect others. I respected many others I, that, that said the election was rigged. You called some of your outside lawyers. You said they had crazy theories. Why were you listening to them? Were you listening to them because they were telling you what you wanted to hear? You know who I listened to myself? I saw what happened. I watched that election and I thought the election was over at 10 o'clock in the evening. You were listening to your instincts. Uh, my instincts are a big part of it. That's been the thing that's gotten me to where I am, my instincts. But I also listen to people. There are many lawyers. I could give you many books. Uh, I, there are books that are written on how the election was rigged. There are numerous books that were written on how the election was Just rigged. to be clear, were you listening to your lawyer's advice or were you listening to your own instincts? I was listening to different people. And when I added it all up, the election was rigged. There are books were you that calling are written. The shots, though? In fact, Molly Hemingway wrote a great book. Oh, were you called calling the shots ultimately? Excuse me. Molly Hemingway, mm -hmm. who's highly respected and great, she wrote a, a book, a, a best selling book called Rigged. Were you calling the shots, though, Mr. President, ultimately? Uh, as to whether or not I believed it was rigged? Oh, sure. I, okay. I, it was my decision, but I listened to some people. Some people said that. Um, 
like guys like Bill Barr, he was a stiff, but he wasn't there at the time. But he, he didn't do his job because he was afraid. You know what he was afraid of? He was afraid of being impeached. He was petrified to be impeached. And he's, how do you not get impeached? Don't do anything. Let me tell you something about this. You know how I always tell you that the mainstream media with their Democrats in Washington, and they collude with each other. They have a symbiotic relationship with each other. What she's doing, what Welker's doing right there, and, and Valerie Jarrett's daughter uh, in the lead-in to this segment talked about it as well. Oh, my, he's a defense attorney's, he's a defense attorney's nightmare. They're trying to get President Trump to say something wrong. They're trying to trip him up. They're trying to get him to say things in these interviews that can be used about used in court against him. So they're colluding with Jack Smith. They're colluding with these prosecutors. You can bet, you can bet, take it to the bank that they're having conversations behind the scenes, trying to figure out ways to trip up President Trump. I don't care what you think. I don't care what the lib. Well, I know what you all think, but I know the libs that are watching this. 100% that's happening. This is how they operate. This is what the Democrats do. They're trying to trip up President Trump and, and get him to say something stupid so it can be used against him in court. And it makes me sick to my stomach that it's, that it's going down this way. But look, President Trump, again, he's right. It was his. Anybody that lived through the 2020 election knows that the math doesn't add up, that there were too many anomalies, it, all the stuff that happened with COVID. We already talked about all this stuff. But anybody that lived through it, trust your instinct. Don't allow yourself to be gaslit by the media and think, oh, there's nothing wrong with the perfectest, bestest election. And by the way, all these people that aren't, that, that maybe, oh, all the lawyers that he's talking about that didn't want to do it or Bill Barr afraid of being impeached. It, yeah, you think those people might be afraid? to stand for the truth. The Department of Justice is throwing lawyers in jail right now. The Department of Justice, John Eastman, one of President Trump's attorneys, is going through a disbarment hearing. I, I had a case, it wasn't even about voter fraud. I had a, a case challenging a law, uh, the no-excuse mail-in ballot law in Pennsylvania that is clearly unconstitutional. It's called Act 77. I had lawyers on my case. It was a, a rigorous constitutional case steeped in constitutional history going all the way back to the civil war and legal precedent set during the civil war. I had the attorneys on my case, their lives were threatened. Their firms were threatened. They, some of them like had to drop off the case because the threats got so bad. Yeah. No wonder these lawyers were like, Hey, I don't want anything to do with this because the department of justice and, and, and the, these per these institutions that are filled with communists at the highest levels who make these decisions have perverted our justice system. People are afraid they can't speak the truth anymore out of fear that they'll be thrown in jail or prosecuted or have their lives destroyed. So it doesn't surprise me at all that, that Trump's attorneys were like, Hey, sir, like maybe just like that, just, just say you lost and let's move on. And you can always run again. And then Bill Barr, Trump, you heard Bill Barr say that, uh, or you heard Trump say that Bill Barr was just, a, was just, afraid of being impeached, which is why he didn't do anything. But I mean, look at all the stuff that they're doing to people now. I, so this interview went on 
And Kristen Welker asked Trump if he supported Republican hardliners in Congress who are threatening to shut down the government. Now, there's going to be a government shutdown vote here at the end of September. I personally think we need to shut down the government until we get some concessions from these radical leftists who are weaponizing every political institution in the country against their political foes. I mean, let me ask you this. Why the hell would we fund an organization like like the FBI until we get some concessions that maybe they're not going to throw 70 year old pro-life grandmas in jail for protesting outside an abortion clinic, or maybe they shouldn't be, you know, throwing documentary filmmakers who were just filming January 6th as independent journalists in jail. Maybe we should get some concessions to bring them to the negotiating table to get them to admit that, Hey, maybe this behavior, this, that, that is further polarizing the political climate that we're in that maybe it's not appropriate maybe you need to stop maybe we shouldn't fund fanny willis maybe we shouldn't fund uh Letisha james or or the indictment in new york or jack smith in washington dc maybe we shouldn't fund these things maybe should maybe congress should take a stand well president trump was at was asked if he would be willing to shut down the government if he were president check check out his response here do you think Republican hardliners should abandon their threat to shut down the government over their spending priorities now that there is this impeachment? No, I think if they don't get a fair deal, we have to save our country. We have $35 trillion in debt. We have to save our country. So you would you know, shut down the government? You'd support that? I'd shut down the government if they can't make an appropriate deal. Absolutely. 100% right. That has to be on the table. Republicans can't They've got to have a spine. They've got to hold the line. They've got to take a stand, whatever it takes to go on offense. Use whatever power that you have to stop this insanity. You know, Republicans, when they're in power, they never wield it appropriately. The Democrats would not hesitate to shut down the government if they knew it would further their political ambition. They would not care. They circle the wagons, they, they circle the wagons, they close ranks, and they go on offense, and they don't give a damn what anybody else says. Republicans need to saddle up and get in this fight to save this country. And if, if shutting the government down is, is what needs to happen, if the deal that they're offered from the Democrats or uh, even some rhinos in the House of Representatives isn't, isn't workable, shut it down. Shut it down until you get some concessions. Again, Trump right on the money with that response. Now, this, this is really a crazy exchange where, where Welker asks President Trump, if the, what does it mean for promises of retribution? Now, again, folks, this is a setup. They're going to try to get him on witness tampering and intimidation. And, oh, look at, look at, th th there's this Jack Smith just asked Judge Chutkin in Washington, D.C. To, to gag Trump. So he's not allowed to talk about the trial. This guarantee you this question was meant to give ammo to, to Jack Smith while he asked for this gag order in front of Judge Chutkin. 100% guarantee he th this question, if Trump answered it the wrong way, it would have given Jack Smith ammo to say, see, Judge, he's just so off the rails. Look at him. He's in trying to intimidate witnesses with, if he wins, he's going to he's gonna go after his political opponents. Isn't this just horrible? Oh, my gosh, crocodile tears and everything else. Trump didn't take the bait. Watch this. When you talk about retribution, are you talking about directing your attorney general to try to go after your political enemies? When I talk about retribution, I'm talking about fairness. We have to treat people fairly. These people on January 6th, they went, some of them never even went into the building and they're being given sentences of, you know, many years. Are you going to pardon And nothing is happening. Well, I'm going to look at them and I certainly might if I think it's appropriate. Uh, no, it's a very, very sad thing. And it's, 
they're dividing the country so badly, and it's very dangerous. Well, Mr. President, we're going to delve into that a little bit later on, but I want to stay on this idea of what you mean by retribution. Are you looking to appoint an attorney general who will prosecute the people you tell them to prosecute? I'm looking to appoint an attorney general who's going to be tough on crime and fair. Very simple. <laughs> the balls on this woman. And I don't know. I mean, in this day and age, who knows what she identifies that as. But I, I, to ask that question, when the Biden administration is literally using the power of the office in the Department of Justice and Merrick Garland through Jack Smith and all these other people, Fannie Willis, to, pull, to, these, to go after their political opponents for retribution for winning in 2016 is just unbelievable it's almost it's almost too much for me to handle but again trump didn't take the bait he answered the question perfectly he's like hey this is look this is about fairness you know i'm i don't want i'm not out to get anybody and you remember even though trump campaigned on putting hillary clinton in jail when he won he tried to heal the country he said you know what no let, let bygones be bygones it was a tough political race no i'm not going to put hillary clinton in jail hindsight being 2020 maybe we should have maybe we should have put Hillary Clinton in jail. I mean, maybe you should have fired the top. Maybe we should fire when, and I know for a fact that, that, that this needs to happen the next time should Trump win, but fire the top 10 people at every institution in, in, in our government to get rid of these political appointees who are straight up communists. Yes, of course that needs to happen. You know who did that? That very same thing, Barack Obama. But Trump, when he won in 2016, tried to heal this country. He tried to lead. Leadership is about bringing people together. It's about unifying. Trump tried to do that, and they stabbed him in the back. Now they're stabbing in the back even more. Um, Trump was also asked about the Ukraine war. And again, uh, check out this clip. Roll the tape. President Putin said, quote, we surely hear that Mr. Trump says he will resolve all burning issues within several days, including the Ukrainian crisis. We cannot help but feel happy about it. What do you make of that? Do you welcome well, this Well, I like that he said that because that means what I'm saying is right. I would get him into a room. I'd get Zelensky into a room. Then I'd bring them together and I'd have a deal worked out. I would get a deal worked out. It would have been a lot easier before it started. Essentially for four years, I kept them from doing anything because you know what? I will tell you this. I've never said this. Ukraine was the apple of his eye. I said, don't ever do it. Don't ever do it. He would have never done it. But again oil prices. He wouldn't have done it because of me, but oil prices. The prices were so high that he had so much money. So he had all this money to prosecute the war. The one who drove up the prices was Biden. Given that President Putin has bombed maternity wards, 20,000 kids kidnapped from Ukraine by Russia, mass graves. Do you welcome his support, his all but endorsement. Look, I had a very good relationship with him, and yet nobody was tougher on Russia than me. I stopped Nord Stream 2. You never heard of Nord Stream mm-hmm. 2. That was the pipeline until I got involved. I said Nord Stream 2, people that were sophisticated military people and political people never heard of Nord Stream 2. I had it ended. The pipeline was dead. Biden came in and he approved it. There was nobody tougher than me with Russia, and yet I got along with Putin. Let me tell you, I got along with him really well. And that's a good thing, not a bad thing. He's got 1,700 nuclear missiles, and so do we. But look, that's a good thing. Getting along is okay. 
First of all, did you catch your question? Do you welcome Putin's endorsement again with this Russia narrative, this BS Russia narrative? By the way, Welker was a Russia hoaxer. She was a PP tape hoaxer. She was like one of the first people involved on it. Here she is asked, do you, well, oh, look at how horrible Putin is. Do you actually welcome his endorsement? No, of course not. Putin sucks. He's a brutal dictator. I mean, he's terrible. Like, if he died tomorrow, whatever. I mean, no one cares, neither would Trump. And by the way, when when the Russians were, were pushing in, in Syria, Trump killed a bunch of Russians with airstrikes. And, and oh, by the way, people forget that the Russians invaded Georgia under George W. Bush and the Russians invaded Crimea and took Crimea under Barack Obama. The Russians invaded nothing under President Trump because Putin is petrified of him. And of course, Russia invades Ukraine under President Joe Biden. But the media doesn't tell you any of this stuff. The media gives you context to none of it. They would rather have you believe that Donald J. Trump is, is, is just simply Putin's puppet. And anybody that questions the war in Ukraine is worthy of personal destruction and uh, you're just a propagandist for Putin. And, and look, why hasn't Biden said, you know what? This war needs to stop. I'm tired of all the death. It's bad for the world. It's driving f- food prices through the roof. It's driving fuel prices through the roof, mostly because Biden destroyed our oil and gas industry here at home, thereby empowering Putin to fill that global void. Okay, that that's a, that's an entirely different show. But why no one is talking about getting those two in the room and ending the war is is beyond me. Why it's not happening is because Republicans and Democrats and the military industrial complex in this country, along with Biden, they want it. Donald Trump is the ultimate peacetime president. We had peace in the Middle East through the Abraham Accords with Donald Trump. And even in this interview, he's trying to be baited by this Democrat hacktivist. Um, he says, hey, I'm just going to pursue peace when I'm president. Again, a great, great response. President Trump talked about the greatest geopolitical threat that we face in China as well. Roll this tape. If you were to cut a deal between President Putin and President Zelensky, do you run the risk of emboldening China to invade Taiwan? No. Not at all, because China is another one I got along to until we had the China virus come in. Once COVID came in, okay, once it was like, you know, I made a great trade deal with China, one of the greatest deals ever made for the farmers and for the manufacturers. $50 billion a year is a great deal. I don't even talk about it because once COVID came in, it was like, I don't want to talk about anything. I was a much different person. What happened to this world, not our country, the whole world, what happened with COVID and it just shouldn't have happened. It shouldn't have happened. What happened, what China did to the world was so bad. But I had a great relationship. Would with, you send I had a great relationship Taiwan? with President Xi. Really great relationship. And he was going to stop fentanyl from coming in. He was going to do a lot of, de- he was going to criminalize it if you made it. You know, in China, they have a death penalty for drug deals. He was going to make that with fentanyl dealers too. But then the election uh, didn't work out and he never had to do that. I know you've been asked this, but very quickly, if China were to invade Taiwan, have you made a determination? Again, since voters are about to go to the polls, would you send the U.S. military into Taiwan if President Xi were to invade? President Biden I, says I he would. I won't say, I won't say, uh, because if I said I'm giving away, you know, only stupid people are going to give that answer. I heard the other day De Sanctimonious said something about he was going to do this or he was going to do that. 
I say, well, why is he saying the strategy? You can't say that. So when you ask me that question, I would never say that because you give away all your options. But you don't take it off the table. I don't take anything off the table, no. Can you imagine me being in Afghanistan and and doing a video conference that the Taliban could watch and be like, hey, Taliban, we're going to be in this village at this time. Should you do this? That is I mean, look, you don't got to be General Patton to realize that's incredibly, incredibly stupid. Again, President Trump's best asset is the strength that he projects on the world stage. The fact that he's willing to tell this Democrat hacktivist that. That, that he's, look, hey, I got plans for China, but I'm not telling you. It shows all of enemies that, yes, indeed, he is thinking about these threats and how to respond to them. Hey, look, and there will be a response, but our enemies, you don't get to know about it. I, I, again, it's common sense, folks. But common sense in today's day and age just isn't that common. And, I mean, look, we're going to get into this last segment here. And I'm going to go down a path that I don't often talk about, and and that is um, the pro-life abortion debate. Now, listen, you know, I'm going to have an honest conversation about this, but I'm going to tell you exactly where I am on this issue. I've run twice. I've I am I am pro-life. Period. End of story. But I also understand that this can be a complicated issue for for people. Okay. I'm a Catholic. I'm a practicing Catholic. I'm a, I'm against abortion. But what this woman did to President Trump during this interview, the lies, oh my gosh, just disgraceful conspiracy theories. Uh, it, America de- deserves so much better than what they got from, from this woman during this portion of the interview. And I've broken that's a, the, the discussion between hacktivist Welker and Trump was about 10 minutes, but I pulled the relevant portions from the interview and I distilled them down to a few seconds. But she buys into these Democrat conspiracy theories wholesale. And and I'm going to show you exactly what I mean. So uh, let's play the, the first short clip here. How is it acceptable in America that women's lives are at risk? Doctors are being forced to turn away patients in need or risk breaking the law. Ready? A little bit of a long answer. I hope you have time. I hope you have time. Okay. I'm here for so as long you as have you have. So you have Roe v. Wade. For 52 years, people, including Democrats, wanted it to go back to states so that states could make the right. Roe v. Wade, I, I did something that nobody thought was possible, and Roe v. Wade was terminated, was put back to the states. Now, people, pro-lifers, have the right to negotiate for the first time. They had no rights at all. Because the radical people on this are really the people, the Democrats that say after five months, six months, seven months, eight months, nine months, and even after birth, you're allowed to terminate the baby. Democrats aren't saying that. I just have to Democrats are not saying that. Of course That's they do. not true. Democrats aren't saying that they want abortion up until birth. Are you kidding me? Of course they do. They say it all the time. When I was running for the House of Representatives in 2020, Every Democrat in the House of Representatives, every single one voted against the Born Alive Act twice. It was simply a bill that would uh, that would protect children in the event that they were born alive after a botched abortion. Every Democrat voted against that bill. Democrats have have made this a campaign issue. And I think I'm going to I'm going to break this down in 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 two sections for you. Obviously, I told you I was pro-life. 
full stop, right? It's just, it's just, I am. Okay. But there's a moral argument here and there's a political argument. What President Trump is talking about, he talked about repeatedly during this interview was mostly a political, the political side of this argument and what messaging is, is, is palatable for the American people right now. I'm going to just give it to you straight here, folks. And I, I'm not, I'm just telling you how, how I see this situation politically. When Roe v. Wade was passed, Republicans ceded that terrain. Republicans ceded that terrain to Democrats for 50 years. And Roe v. Wade and, and the abortion issue, when it was initially passed, was supposed to be safe, legal, rare. Protection of life of the mother, rape, incest, things like that. Well, Democrats took it from safe, legal, and rare and brought it all the way to nine months. They took 50 damn years to make this issue as extreme, to take the extreme stance of where they are now to where you have talk show hosts that are literally celebrating taking a baby's life just out of act, uh, just because they weren't ready, just because it wasn't convenient. Okay. So it's going to take time to change that cultural sentiment here in America. Now, listen to me. We are winning that argument at the March for Life. There are more young people at the March for Life in Washington, DC every single year because we're winning on this issue. But again, Republicans ceded the damn battlefield on the life issue for 50 years, for the most part. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are pro-lifers who have been out there forever pushing back against this BS. But by and large, it hasn't been adopted in the mainstream until only very recently. President Trump, it's important to recognize because there's been this narrative that's been developing over the weekend in the last couple of days of just Trump being relentlessly attacked on this issue as if he's somehow sacrificing babies, which I think is a horrific way to attack President Trump, who, by the way, was by far and based on his actions, the most pro-life president that we have ever. He's more pro-life than Reagan. OK, Re Re Ronald Reagan was pro-life with with exceptions, meaning it, 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 he was for exceptions in the instances of, of, of rape incest, life of the mother, which by the way, Republicans who are watching this show, they allow themselves to get boxed into those talking about abortion in those three scenarios, which are exceedingly, exceedingly rare. So it's, it's, it's like, yes, while those issues are, are important, uh, you know, the vast majority of abortions don't fall into that category, but president Trump was the first president in, a, in ever Republican president to speak at the March for life. Republic, a major component, a major pillar of Trump's legacy is the dismantling of Roe v. Wade through the appointment of pro-life judges. President Trump did that. So this, this narrative that's developed over the weekend that somehow he's sacrificing babies because of the comments made in this interview, I think it's just abhorrent. You know, because what President Trump is talking about is the political side of this argument and what time period is politically tenable to the American people. Now, listen, I, you're, you are free to disagree with me on that. There are people out there that say, you know, look, the, uh, moral issues, Trump political issues, 100 percent of the time. And I, I don't disagree with that, except for if if you are a hardline pro-lifer and, and, and you're running in, you know, anything but a, a, a deep, deep red district and, and, and you can't run on being hard, hardline pro-life, you can't run on that. Well, it, you and that, and that issue might cost you an election and, and thereby ceding the battlefield to some radical Democrat who's going to allow abortion up until birth. I'm sorry. I'd rather have I'd rather have somebody that that's, hey, look, you know, pro-life with, with exceptions in the instances of rape, incest and life of the mother. I'd, I'd rather have that someone who's, who's pro-life and can win 
than not. And that's what President Trump is talking about. That's what I'm trying to say here. Um, and listen to me, this, this issue, it, what I'm talking about politically, not morally, okay? I, I'm going to keep reiterating that. Um, but both Tudor Dixon and Blake Masters did not adopt President Trump's messaging on this issue. It's just a, hey, look, like, of course, I'm pro-life. And he demonstrated that again through his actions while in the Oval Office. But yes, of course, there are pro-life exceptions of rape, incest, life of the mother, even though those three things are exceedingly rare. Uh, Dixon, this is from, uh, she admitted on Fox News Sunday that Dixon acknowledged Tudor Dixon ran for governor in, in Michigan and lost a very, very narrow race to Gretchen Whitmer in the 2022 cycle. She acknowledged the role of abortion, the, the role abortion played in her defeat during an interview Sunday on Fox News, Sun, Sunday Morning Futures with Maria Bartiromo, and warned of the impact it could have again in 2024. In my own election, this is a quote. In my own election, the big issue was abortion. Abortion is still out there. We've already seen Joe Biden put attack ad out after the, the debate on abortion once again, Dixon said in the interview. I had $50 million in attack ads against me on abortion. So we've got to get that message correct. And we've got to be able to speak to suburban women. Dixon told Trump on her podcast, she interviewed him recently, you were absolutely right, sir. And I hope you are able to navigate that issue in 24 and that we can win those women back. They are already putting out attack ads and it is not a fair issue for them to attack on. Why? Because the left lies. So just take that weapon away from them. Don't, don't give them that weapon. Just say, hey, look, of course, I know pro-life with exceptions, rape, incest, life of the mother, it, you know, as far as, a, you know, six-week ban, 15-week ban, 20-week ban, I don't know. I'll just tell you this, the, the overwhelming majority of Americans, uh, from a polling standpoint, from a messaging standpoint, from a political standpoint, not a moral standpoint, so separate the two, it, the vast majority of Americans, I'm talking 80% and up, see between 15 weeks and 20 weeks as a ban at, at a protection of, of, of the child from 15 weeks to 20 weeks, they overwhelmingly support that. So take it, win, get in power, and then implement even more pro-life policies. But I would rather see people win on that issue. And if you, if you take a hardline stance on life and you're running in anything but a deep red district and it costs you the race, then you see the battlefield to a radical baby-killing zealot. Can you imagine how many millions of babies would be saved with an abortion ban from 15, 20 weeks and on? And, and again, we win the we win the small battles, right? The ultimate battle is if I could wave a magic wand and be instantly pro-life, I would do it. But it's about winning those incremental fights. So check out this second clip here between uh, uh, hacktivist Welker and Donald Trump on the subject of, of abortion. Roll the tape. Does it bother you, though, that women say their lives are being put at risk? Do you feel you bear any responsibility? Because as you say, you are responsible. Women's lives being put at risk. You see the hyperbole, right? And, and this, it goes, it goes on. Uh, like, play, play, play the third clip on this. Let's just keep rolling. I on said, that. with Hillary Clinton, when we had the debate, I made a statement, rip the baby out of the womb in the ninth month. You're allowed to do that, and you shouldn't be allowed to do that. Again, no one and, and is again, arguing listen, for that. That's look, not a part of anyone's platform, Mr. Yes, it is. Democrats campaign in this all the time. Again, a conspiracy theorist and lies from hacktivist Welker. Play, play the next clip. The Democrats are able to kill the baby after birth. Let me talk to you. Nobody wants that. That Democrats don't want that. So either. we're going to come together. I want to know what you want. 
Democrats don't want that. Okay, so we've cobbled together five straight minutes of Democrats saying that they support abortion up until the time of birth and even thereafter because we're over six o'clock. Like, we're not going to play the whole thing for you. We'll play just 90 seconds or something, but just watch Democrats in their own words talking about abortion up until birth and thereafter. Roll the tape. Do you support any restrictions on abortion? I don't. I've always believed- Even in the third trimester? Do you think there should be any limitation on abortions? Uh, no, I do not. Up till now, my understanding is there wasn't a limit on when in a pregnancy a woman could receive an abortion. Have you set the, any limit on There are no limits. Is there a cutoff for you before that point? No, to me, it's, it, it's a reproductive, it's a healthcare decision. It's up to women to make that decision. Where it's obvious that a woman is about to give birth. She has physical signs of, of, that she is about to give a birth. Would that still be a point at which she could request an abortion if she was so certified? My bill would allow that, yes. Virginia's governor says he has no regrets on his comments earlier this week defending abortion, even as a baby is being born. If a mother is in labor, I can tell you exactly uh, what would happen. Um, The infant would be delivered. Uh, The infant would be kept comfortable. Uh, The infant would be resuscitated if if that's what the uh, mother and the family desired. And then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mothers. Are you for what he said or late-term abortion or the moments that he was talking about where you would keep a woman comfortable after she was giving birth in case she wanted to abort her third-term child? I don't know all his comments, but what I do know is that I am for a woman having the right to make a choice about her own body. State lawmakers in New York approved a law permitting abortion in the state up until birth. Cuomo applauded the legislation and marked the occasion by lighting the spire of the One World Trade Center pink to celebrate. Eight months into pregnancy, should a woman be allowed legally to have an abortion? Again, I've told you I believe women's right to choose, period. At the Capitol today, a House committee approved a bill that would remove restrictions on abortions performed in Minnesota. The bill would erase the requirements such as parental notification or that clinics can only handle first trimester abortions, that patients be told about possible links to cancer and the 24-hour waiting period. The bill would repeal a law that requires doctors to save any baby born alive during an abortion. Those in favor of Prop 1 include Governor Newsom, the California Democratic Party, and abortion rights groups such as the Planned Parenthood affiliates of California. It would remove all restrictions on abortion, allowing for late-term abortion even up until the moment of birth even if both mother and baby are healthy. Now, he is vowing to fight here and says this new law makes it very clear where California stands on the issue as a sanctuary for abortion care. Governor Gavin Newsom announced a new abortion marketing website establishing California as the nation's taxpayer-funded abortion state. The president is prepared to sign the Women's Health Protection Act, the so-called Women's Health Protection Act, that would have nullified state and religious freedom laws across the country with respect to abortions and allowed late-term abortions without any notable restrictions in most cases. Does he support any limits on abortion? He supports the right of a woman to make choices about her own body. Do you support any limitation on abortion or does it? do you think that women should have the right to have an abortion all the way up to nine months? That should be a choice made between a doctor and a woman. You do it by not setting arbitrary gestational limits. Do you believe at any point in pregnancy, whether it's at six weeks or eight weeks or 24 weeks or whenever, that there should be any limit on a woman's right to have an abortion? I trust women to draw the line. Senator Warren, would you put limits on uh, any limits on abortion? 
I would make certain that every woman has access to the full range of reproductive health care services, and that includes birth control, it includes abortion. Any kind of uh, limit for abortion. Where, where do you go? At 15 weeks? Do you, what do you do? Where do you go? Look, there is no one-size-fits-all limit. You would veto any law with any limit on abortion? I would veto any additional restrictions on abortion that are sent to my desk as governor, yes. Do you believe that a woman should be able to terminate a pregnancy up until the moment of birth? Look, I think that that happens very, very rarely. But at the end of the day, I believe that the decision over abortion belongs to a woman and a physician. My question was about any limits to abortion at any point, you know, late term, anything. You, you, you got to leave it up to the to the woman. Do you believe there should be any restrictions on abortion? I, I don't. I was born September 8, 1989, and I want to know if you think on September 7th, 1989, my life had no value. This is a decision that neither you, nor I, nor the United States government should be making. That's a decision for the woman to make. So obviously that taken from the DeSantis war room, they did a great job uh, piece pasting that all together. Um, but but let me tell you something here. I, I, I'll give you the inside scoop on this. The Democrats realize that they are vulnerable on this issue insofar as how extreme they are on it, which is why they have been out there since the Republican, the first Republican presidential debate saying, no, we don't actually support uh, abortion up until birth. No, of course, we we if we don't support you know killing babies even after they're born. Here's the position that Republicans should take on this. Yeah, look. I'm pro-life, you know, of course, of exceptions for rape, incest, life of the mother. And by the way, just personally, how I look at that is that a woman's agency was stolen from her in instances of rape and incest and things like that. She never had a choice. So I think it's, of course, reasonable to offer exceptions in those areas. So speak about if you're a Republican that's running, speak about the issue with compassion. Okay, and then pivot immediately to how crazy these child killing Democrats are on the issue and just talk about that relentlessly. And this is why they're trying to just just make you believe that that's not all that. We never had that position. No, Democrats in Congress never really, you know, voted against the Born Alive Act twice. No, no. uh, Of course, we don't uh, oppose, you know, killing babies even after they've been born. They're just lying to you. But don't believe the crap, folks. Okay. I know we've gone over time, 20 minutes over. So thank you all for joining me for an hour and 20 minutes. We need more time on the show. I know Brock and I talk about it often. Uh, Wendy gets three hours in the morning. I don't think we can be due three hours at five o'clock at night, but we definitely need more time. So for those of you all, for those of all of you who stayed with us throughout the entire program, thank you. God bless you all. If you Again, like, smash that like button, the little green thumb, rumble notices that stuff, subscribe to the program. It's critically important to build this audience. Tell your family, your friends, people you see at Walmart about Battleground Live every night at five, Monday through Friday. Join us. We want you in the trenches with us helping to save this country. These shirts, Battleground Apparel Company, we just launched it. Uh, it's a company for patriotic Americans who want to save this country. We've got great stuff on there. We just got a whole new shipment of shirts. 
Commander Melanie is upstairs with the children right now, fulfilling orders as we speak. We can barely keep them in stock, so get them while you still can. That's at officialseanparnell.com. we got lots of cool stuff on there. But most importantly, this show is and will always be for you. So if you also, if you have recommendations and stuff, I'd love to hear them. You know, we're still building out this show and trying to make it fun in every way that we can. I hope you didn't drink too much. It's part of playing the mouth breather, mouth breather drinking game. But as always, God bless you all. And God bless this incredible country that we call home. Take care and God bless. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.